You know, Jesus once said that everybody's been given a measure of faith, a certain amount of faith. And, and the question is, how much faith is that for you? Like uh, when you were growing up as a kid, or maybe if you are a kid today, you're growing right now, where, where are you in terms of faith? Like how much faith do you actually have? And I, I think back to when I was growing up, and I would have to say that God gave me a good portion of faith. You know, I just felt like right from the get-go, I just felt like I, I have faith, and I saw God work in my life as a kid. Uh, and then when I became a teenager, uh, I had strong faith, but there came, I'm about 15 years old, I just kind of uh, put faith aside for a while, I wanted to go out and sow my wild oats, and it, I didn't really lose my faith, I just kind of shoved it aside for a while and said, well, you know, I got some other things I want to try and so I did that for, for, for a few years. But at 19 years old, I came back really strong, back in, into faith. And there's one thing that I always believed. I, I, I always believed, Steve Bombacci, you will never, ever lose your faith. You will never even be in danger of losing your faith. Because, man, you got faith. God gave you a lot of faith. And then 1993 happened. And this is after God had done a lot of, a lot of miracles in, in my life and, and uh just, I mean, up to that point, I could say there had been some ups and downs, you know, like there's some setbacks like there is for all of us, but 1993, 1993 came, and, and really, at that point, it was like the biggest dream I thought was going to happen, I thought, so this is where the miracle begins, and in 1993, moved into Ocean Beach to pastor a church, I, first time as being a lead pastor, and like, here we go. And what I did not know is for the next almost five years, it would really be the foreclosure of a dream. It would be the darkest night of my soul, but it wouldn't be a night. It would be hundreds of nights. And I would absolutely be crushed. Without getting into a lot of detail, I'll just say this. I kind of just walked into a very difficult, like, war zone kind of situation and then day after day after day, it wouldn't go away. At just about the time that I thought maybe we were going to turn a corner, just about the time I thought things were going to get better, they got worse. Just about the time that I thought that I saw a light at the end of the tunnel, it turned out to be a train. I mean, it just was horrible, and the day after day. And so what had happened is it just began to take its toll on my faith, and to the point where I really one day wasn't sure if I could actually keep my faith. I was so angry at God. I, I just didn't understand. I, I just felt like I was in the middle of something that didn't make any sense to me at all. Like, God, how could you let this happen? How could you let me experience the depth of pain that I'm experiencing right now? How, God, could this ever happen to me? Somebody says, faith is the confidence that God is who he says he is. That's what we all have, right? If you're a believer, if you even believe in God at all, you say, yeah, I believe in God. I, I believe that he is who he says he is, and I believe, and this is the most important part of it, I believe that he's going to do what he says he's going to do, and up until that point, that's what I believed. I'm like, yeah, because it always had been that way. God had always come through. Yeah, I had a little pain here and there, a little suffering here and there, but I had never come to the dark night of the soul, where day after day, week after week, month after month, it just seemed like I'd come up for error and there was no error. And I almost lost my faith. I came that, that, that close to it. Perfect faith is not faith that moves God. You know, we all think that my faith will move God. God will be impressed by my faith. Perfect faith is faith that moves us to trust God when he doesn't seem to be moving. Isn't that true? Isn't that when it's most difficult? You say, man, I, maybe you say, I, I, I want to get married and nothing's happening. We want to have children and we can't get pregnant. We, we're, we've been dreaming about having a home, and that just seems like it's never going to happen. 
We have a kid we just can't get under control, and it just year after year, it doesn't get better, it gets worse. And, and what happens is, is it begins to shrink our, our God. We, not only does our faith shrink, but we think, is God really God? Can he really come through? Is he really all that he says that he, that he, that he is? So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to the book of Ephesians. And we're just going to look at two verses today. We've been in the book of Ephesians for some weeks now, and we'll continue to be in this book. The Apostle Paul is writing probably from prison. Most likely, everybody thinks from prison, once again. And he's writing to a group of people in Ephesus, and this is about 55, 56 B.C., and he loves these people. He's planted these churches. He's really invested in this community. And so this is what he says in verse 12 and 13. He says, in him, now this is something that Paul says a lot, in Christ, in him. He says it some 34 times in the book of Ephesians. He says, in him and through faith in him being Jesus, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Now that meant a lot more to him back then than it might mean to you and I today, and I'll kind of explain that a little bit. And I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Don't, don't be discouraged because... Because I'm, I'm going through a difficult time. Faith in the Son gives me access to the fullness of, of the Father. So it's not just faith in anything. It's actually faith in, there's, there's an object to our faith, and that's Christ. Remember Jesus said these words? He says, if you want to come to the Father, and I encourage you to do so, you have to go come through me. He says, I'm, I'm the way to the Father. And that way, when you come to the Father, we know that the Father is wonderful, and he wants to give us good things, and he wants to, he wants to speak to us. In Christ, we may approach God. Now, let me, just for the first century Jew, let me talk about what it meant like, because there were some hoops to jump through before Christ. For instance, um, if you wanted to come to God, you didn't just need to come to God. There was, there was blood sacrifices that were involved. There was the temple, you know, if you were actually able to make it to the temple, there was this one day a year, there was, there was a sacred place where the veil was, where the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies, where the mercy seat was, where a priest once a year, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, would come. And he would come that one day, and boy, I tell you, he would come with fear and trembling. Because if he didn't have his heart right, if he wasn't purified, if he wasn't ready, there was possible death. And so he would walk in. Through and in in move the veil and move into the, the Holy of Holies. And he would make a sacrifice for all of the people of God. One day a year. That's, that's tough. That's tough. I mean, okay. So it, it's kind of a scary experience. And but what Paul is saying, he goes, it's not like that anymore. Something happened when Jesus hung on the cross, and you can read this in the 23rd, uh, 30, 23rd chapter of Matthew. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, something happens. As he's dying, suddenly everything goes dark, literally, it goes dark. There's an earthquake, and, and, and the Bible says that the veil, that veil I was talking about, which was 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, it was made out of uh, this fabric, which is very, very strong, just, it splits open, and it goes from the top, which is really, really important, from the top all the way down to the bottom. It just splits. And God was making, boy, if he was ever making a statement, he was making a statement right there. He was saying, no longer do you have to go to the Holy of Holies. 
No longer do you have to do all the, th- there's no more blood sacrifices. The final blood sacrifice has happened on the cross, my son Jesus, the ultimate blood sacrifice. He says, from now on, you have direct access to me through my son Jesus. And it's almost as if Paul can't get over it. That's why when he says, in Christ, in Jesus, in Christ, he's, he's, it's, it's like there's freedom. We, like we can come with freedom and, and we can come with confidence. I, I think to, to my children, when, and I, we raised four children, my wife Karen and I, and, and as our children were growing up, I, I'd like to think that I was a good dad. I wasn't a perfect dad by any stretch of the imagination, but I was a good dad. And I was the kind of a dad that was approachable. I was the kind of a dad that I know that my, my daughters and my sons, if whatever was going on, hey, we're, even if we're, if we're in trouble, you know, if we did something we shouldn't have done, if we need money, you know, that, that question was asked a lot. Whatever it is, dad's right here, and I, they could always come to me. When they were little, they could always jump into my arms. I was always available and approachable. This is the way that, that God wants us to see himself. This is the way Jesus wants us to see his father. Like, he's a good, we have songs written about that. He's a good, good God. He's a good, good father, right? So I, I don't know what your faith tradition might have been when you were growing up, and maybe there were some hoops to jump through. And you're like, well, no, actually, we had to go see a priest, or uh, we had to go through these certain rituals in order to feel like we could even approach God. And Paul says, no, you don't have to do that. You can go directly to God. In fact, he can't wait for you to come to him. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, this is the great statement of faith. How many of you have read this, this chapter? Hebrews chapter 11. And if you know anything about it, this is called, we call it the hall of faith. It's the heroes of the faith that are mentioned in this. And by the way, the, the author who wrote the book of Hebrews, and we're not really sure who he is today. Some people say Paul, some people say other people. But we know one thing. He was writing to a group of people that were incredibly discouraged. Very, so he's trying to pump them up. He's trying to raise their, their level of faith. And in this particular chapter... This is sort of the defining statement that he makes about faith. And he says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see, which is really interesting. How can you have assurance and hope about something that, that you don't see? This is what the ancients were commended for. It, it makes me think of uh, the first time that I, and the only time that I went skydiving. A couple of years ago, somebody paid for me to go skydiving. It was on my bucket list. always wanted to do that. Uh, and so I arrived at the airport about an hour, hour and a half early because I wanted to see if, first of all, if people were making it. You know, I, I'm kind of a little sort of freaked out by heights, and we we're going to you know, go up to 13,000 feet, and I was going to jump out of a plane. And so I, I, for about an hour and a half, I watched probably 25, 30 jumpers, and everybody came down perfectly. And so I was seeing something that was really encouraging my faith. I was like, oh, okay. You know, so far everybody survived. I, I think there's a good possibility I'll survive too. And I, and I got into the plane, and not only that, I did it tandem, so I got a guy on my back, and he's experienced, you know, and that moment comes, and it still took, you know, that, that one moment, if you've ever skydived, that one moment, first time, it's like, whoa, wow, here we go, you know, and, and then it was super exhilarating, I made it to the ground, it's like, wow, that, that was a great experience, but that was encouraged because I saw it first, and what, what, what the author of Hebrew is saying is, we don't even see it, and we believe it, and, and we have hope. Probably one of the greatest examples, when he talks about the ancients and these heroes of faith, was a guy named Abraham. Abraham, if you know his story, you go back to the book of Genesis, if you know his story, at 75 years old, man, he is living large. He's a rancher, he's rich, uh, him and his wife Sarah, everything's going great. The only thing is they don't have children, well, that was a bummer for them, but besides that, everything is going great. You know, he's, you know, 
retirement age. And so he's got a lot of years to look forward to and he's just joy, all the riches and all the hard work. And one day God comes to him and he says, uh, Abram, he used to, his name was Abram before it was Abraham. He said, Abram, um, I am going to do something special in your life. And it's going to be so special, chapter 12 of Genesis, that it's going to bless the entire world. Now, if God came to you and said that, that'd be like, wow, that'd be a wow moment. And so I'm sure Abraham received it that way. It's like, whoa, this is incredible. I don't know how this is going to work. And he says, and so what, the first thing that I need you to do is pick up everything, all that you have, all your people, and I need you to move. So, I mean, first there's the good news. Yeah, you're going to bless all kinds of people, apparently the entire world through. I'm not sure how that's going to happen. I don't see it, but I'm, okay, God, if that's what you say. And then the second thing is, and now I need you to get up and move. So he, lands, he, he lives in a place called Ur, which today would be in, um, deep in the Middle East, uh, in Iraq. And he, he says, I'm going to take you to a place called Canaan, which today would be Israel. So it's about a 900-mile trip, you know, and, and so it's like, okay, we got a long way to go. So along the way, there's quite a story, and there's a lot of setbacks, and there's a lot of pain involved, but, but all along the way, what God is doing is he's strengthening Abraham's faith. This is quite a venture. He left, just think about it, he left everything, and then at some point in time, God says, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to bless the entire earth through you and your seed, which means you and your wife are going to, you're going to have a baby. This is when he's 99 years old. Bear in mind, there are none of the things that we have today to help. No blue pills, yellow pills, pink pills, whatever. There's nothing, okay? <laughs> and, and so Abraham, he, he struggles with it. He's like, whoa, God, whoa, okay. So far, so far, you know, I'm with you, but I, I don't get this one because my wife is old. I'm old. How in the world are you going to do this? And so he does what you and I often do, and that is we try to help God. And it's like, okay, God, I don't see this really happening, so I'm just going to help you. So he takes one of his concubines, Hagar, and, and you know, he has a relationship with her and has a son. And God goes, nope, you got it all wrong. And boy, did he get it wrong. He really messed things up with that one. You'd have to read that story. And, and, and so God says, no, no, it's going to be you, and it's going to be your wife. And sure enough, about a year later, his wife, his old wife, Sarai, has a baby. I mean, again, you talk about faith. You talk about no evidence to go on, nothing to see. This is what we're talking about right here. That is why he is called the father of faith. He didn't see it. It seemed incomprehensible. It was beyond miraculous, and yet it it happened. God used his struggles. He used a lot of faith in Abraham, but he also used his struggles to strengthen his faith. And this this is where Paul comes in. Now, if there was ever a guy that struggled, it was the apostle Paul. And he says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering. Now, interesting, he's trying to encourage these people, and they're like, so, Paul, where are you writing from? Prison. Again. Huh. How's that working out for you? I mean, if, if you're such a man of faith, what are you doing in prison? Okay? And so, Paul doesn't apologize for it. He actually brags about it. He says, you have no idea how this is, this is really helping the gospel to go out. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read some of these verses to you because this is really crazy stuff. This is what I would call a resume of suffering. So however much you've suffered, and some of you, as I look around, probably a lot of you have suffered in different ways in your life. See if it measures up to what's going on here. So here's what what Paul has to say. He says, I worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. I'm, I'm telling you what, the first time that they turned my back into hamburger, 
I don't know if I'm in for the second time. He says, it happened to me five times, three times. I was beaten with the rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. And I'm going to tell you, as a guy who loves the ocean and everything, that doesn't work for me right there. A night and a day in the open sea. Uh, I, I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from uh, bandits, in danger from uh, the Jews, Gentiles, the city, the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled. I've often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I've often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. This is kind of the original afraid and naked or naked and afraid right here, man. Uh, besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concerns for all the churches. And yet he's considered to be one of the greatest men of faith that ever lived. You think Paul suffered a little bit? But look what his faith produced. Look what his, his suffering produced. I know, I know that um, if you're like me, I don't like suffering and I don't suffer well. I wish I did it. Man, when I start to suffer, whether it's a physical suffering or emotional suffering or some other, I just, oh, I, I don't like it. But, I, but, but one thing I've noticed is that, is that struggles and suffering God has used in a great way in my life. Sometimes my struggles aren't just to produce faith in me, but to produce a foundation for somebody else's faith. And, and when, I, when I look back, and maybe some of you can identify with me here, when I look back and I see some of the things that God has brought me through, and they, some of them have just been gruesome, as I mentioned, I ask myself, Steve, if you could go back, would you like say, God, don't do that. Don't let, don't let that happen. And I have to say, and I'm speaking 100% truth here, I'd say no. I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't like anything about it. It was the lowest point of my life. But when I look back, when I see what God did through that in my life, I have to say, he made me the man I am today. He gave me the strength I have today. He put, he put the steel in my soul that I have today because of the sufferings and the tough times that I went through yesterday. And that's simply, a, that's, that's a part of, of faith. Faith gives me handles to overcome my obstacles. So let me talk about those handles for a second. There's kind of the positive side of it, and there's the negative side of it. So let me talk about the positive side for a second. I said in, in, in 1993, it was the beginning of a dream. Obviously, it, it turned into a nightmare, but I thought it was the beginning of a, of a dream. And we, we get, So up, up to that point, all of my prayers are being answered. Always wanted to go to San Diego. Wow. Always wanted to be not only in San Diego, San Diego, at the beach in San Diego. I'm a lifelong surfer. I'll own it. You know, you can say it's selfish. That's where I want to be. I love to surf. So I'm praying. I said, God, get me to a church at the beach. And he gets us there. I'm like, wow. And then I say, I, I go one bigger than that. I said, Lord, I want to get a home. And by this time, I have a family. I have two kids. Another one's going to be coming the following year. And I say, God, I want a home where I can see the ocean. And I want three bedroom, two bath, nice backyard for a garden. And by the way, and I because I've got big faith right then. This is before the nightmare. Okay? This is all the positive side. And by the way, I need it for this amount of money. And it was just a ridiculously low amount of money. In fact, I actually shared it with people, and they were just laughing at me. They were going, Steve, you, you, you know, you're get real, man. And I got it. Still live in that house to this day. I mean, it was like I told people and their mouths would just drop. So all, you know, my, my faith carried me up, up to that point. That's the positive side of it. Now, I already shared the negative side. So for the next almost five years, 
you know, I, I almost lose my faith. I almost lose my marriage. Everything goes bad. And then I come out of it. And I come out of it with a stronger faith than I've ever had in my life. I mean, God, it's like he's, he put some stuff inside of me I didn't have before. I would have to say, looking back, I, maybe I was kind of wimpy in some ways. And uh, when it came to faith, I come out, and I'm looking around, and now I'm ready for the real dream. And my real dream is I want to plant a church. I've always wanted to be a church planter. I learned that a long time ago in the 70s. I worked with a church planter, and God put that in my heart. He said, Steve, you're going to be a church planter. And so I'm looking around, Karen, my wife, and I are we're beginning to say, well, where are, we, where are we going to plant a church? And I look over this way. I look over at PB. And, and, and so there's a verse that says that we walk by faith, or we live by faith and not by sight. And sometimes the very things that you see can actually discourage you. Anybody ever experienced that? You, know, you, you see something, you go, oh, ooh, that's, that's discouraging, man. Well, we looked over at PB, and some guy just put this thing in my heart, and he said, that's the place. You talk about a discouraging place to plant a church. I began to, to walk the streets of PB. I began to, to, to pray. I used to take walks up and down the beaches and then through town. And then I began to check out the demographic uh, studies and all that kind of stuff. And I began to talk to pastors in town. And I began to talk to church leaders about this. You know what? Uniformly, they all said, don't go there. Don't go to Pacific Beach. I mean, the word on the street was, was a graveyard for pastors. Uh, okay. But the more that I prayed about it, the more that I, I, I talked to my wife about it, we just said, let's do this thing. Let's do it. That was 20 years ago. And obviously, through the years, in these last 20 years, God has done some, some great things. Now, here's, here's what I'm trying to tell you, is this would never, ever have happened, I promise you, had I not gone through those almost five years of sheer hell in my life, where God put some stuff in me I didn't have before. Because I was going to face, and continue to face sometimes, real obstacles here. Like, the odds are stacked against me. But when you've been through the fire, and you come out the other side, you're like, bring it on, baby. Because I'm strong, and I have a faith that has been tested by the fire. In fact, this is, this is what Peter says here. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, he says, In all this you, you greatly rejoice. That was the rejoicing part. Like, yeah, Lord, though for now, a little while, though for now, a little while, you may have had to suffer in grief of all kinds. I've been through that, grief, trials, all that stuff. And then this is what he says. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in what? Praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. God says, you know all those things that you suffered? There's a purpose behind that. And by the way, just for the sake of answering maybe a theological question that you might have, you say, does God make this stuff happen? No, not really. It just happens. It's just, just, just the nature of the world. And so it's not like God's going, okay, we're going to throw up some huge obstacles for Larry. And boy, we're, you know, for the next couple of years, Larry's going to go through a real, and I'm going to make it happen. No, it, it just, it, life comes at us fast and furious, and it comes with all this stuff. And so what God does is he takes the stuff of life, and he says, okay, well, now that you're here, and it's difficult, and that thing happened, I'm going to take this, and I'm going to use it to actually help you and strengthen you. That's what we're talking about here. Through my suffering, faith becomes both personal and communal. Let me just say something. If you're here this morning and you're suffering, please, 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 don't suffer alone. Because here's what faith does. Here's what faith has done for me, and probably some of you can identify with this. Because God has given me a stronger faith, I'm able to come next to people that are sinking 
that are struggling with their faith and say, hey, let me, let me help your faith with my faith. That's what I'm talking about. We have a communal faith. As a matter of fact, those, those years when I was going through that time, I didn't do it alone. I reached out to some people and I said, I am dying. I'm ready to throw the towel in, man. I didn't even know if I, there was a couple times I didn't even know if I believed in God anymore. Because I kept saying what you say. God, where are you? I'm hurting. I'm in pain. And so I'm able to now come up beside people that are saying those same things and say, I'm here to help you. I'm here to pray for you. Jesus actually said he'd pray for us, and he continues to do that today. He prays for us. But it, oftentimes we find our place, ourselves in that place, a place, place of suffering. And so I want to ask you this question. And this goes right to where you are today in 2018 July 15th. And the question is this, what hardship am I facing that requires the strength that comes from faith? What is it? What is, what's happened? Where are you right now? You say, wow, you know, up to this point, maybe life's been pretty good or I've had some ups and downs, but today, today I find myself in a place and I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm hanging on. And, and, and that thing happened. I lost that person. I'm going through a divorce. I'm struggling with addiction. And I had faith. Man, today, I don't have much. I'm barely hanging on. I just want to say, if that's you, please, do not suffer silently. Do not suffer alone. Because there's people of faith all in this room, all throughout this church, and we want to help you. Somebody has said, don't doubt in the dark what God has told you in the light. You know one of the reasons that I believe so much in, in youth camps? We talked about this, you know, we were talking about the youth camp we have coming up. It's because at youth camps, oftentimes, that's where the first time a student will hear God in a very loud and clear and profound way. And that's, that's what, what happened to me, and I know how it is. Sometimes, you know, they come and they get all pumped up, and then they come back, and then they go back to school, and you're like, well, what happened to their faith? Okay, but here, here's, the per, here's, here's what maybe you haven't thought of. At that camp, in my life and a bunch of people that I know, for the first time, they experienced God in such a profound way that's undeniable. It was a defining moment. It was a point of reference on their journey where they, when they're 33 years old, you know, so hey, with 15 years old, man, I met God. Now I'm 33, I'm going through a divorce and life just feels like hell. Something else is going on. But I just can't get away from that camp experience. But I know that I know that I know God talked to me. I know that he was real. I know that he was there. I can't get away from it. That's why I believe in sending kids to camp because I know that God's going to show up. He always does. He's going to speak to them. And for some of you, maybe you're here today and it wasn't at a camp, but somewhere along your journey, God spoke to you so loud. It was in the light. And you can think back to it right now and you're like, yeah, if I'm really being honest with myself, yeah, he, he came through. I felt him. I experienced him. He did something. But you're here today and you're saying, wow, just kind of lost my way, kind of losing my faith. I want to I want to conclude with these verses that come back from the book of Hebrew, and they're very, very powerful verses. And then after I read these verses, uh, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask some of our, um, from our leaders in this church if they'd come up here and just be available to pray for anybody. If you want prayer, they're just going to be up here, and they'd love to pray with you. If you're going through something, please, please don't leave this morning carrying out something that you carried in, and it's big, and you feel like you're hurting, and you feel like you're going to lose your faith, okay? So, 
I want to pray this as, as a blessing over you. Chapter 10, verses 19 through 23 of Hebrews. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain. Remember we talked about the curtain, the veil? From top to bottom, God says, I'm available. I'm right in front of you. That is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, that great priest would be Jesus. Hebrews says that he suffered in every way that we have been tempted in every way that we have been tempted so that he could identify with us. He's right there for you. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Anybody walk in here with a guilty conscience this morning? You feel like God doesn't want anything to do with me. I'm a mess right now. God says that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Having our bodies washed pure with pure water. And let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is what? He's what? He's what? He's faithful. He's not going to let you down. He won't. You may not feel him right now. You might feel, feel like he's, dis, he's distant, but he's not. He's right there. Jesus, I want to pray for my brothers and my sisters in Christ. And those who maybe are not in Christ this morning. They're just kind of like leaning in, listening, wondering what this is all about. Lord, we find ourselves at different places in life. And sometimes it feels like, well, sometimes it's just difficult to believe. Sometimes it's difficult to have faith, especially when we're hurting. And we're wondering, God, where are you? But I pray that this morning, for that person, that person that's really struggling, that person that feels like they're losing their faith, even the person that doesn't have faith, that this morning, that Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to them, God, that you'd penetrate their heart right now and reveal yourself to them, break into their reality and let them know, I'm real, I love you, I care for you, I've always, always loved you. I've got a plan for your life. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you guys stand? I'm going to have uh, some of those people that are going to lead in prayer. If they come up here right now, then we're going to conclude with this song, and then we're going to go to halftime. God bless you guys.